0: Hey, I'm Camille Joy, and I'm the host of the Moments of Joy podcast. This podcast is dedicated to super moms that don't always feel so super, trauma victims that need an example of how God will pull you through, and those of you that are looking for a little joy. When we go through really hard times, we often feel like nobody can relate. But here on this show, we keep it real in transparency, we keep it real in support, and we keep it real in love for mamas all over the globe. Welcome to the show.
1: I need the joy, the joy of the Lord.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Moments of Joy podcast. I'm so excited about this episode that we have today because this episode is in honor of Cerebral Palsy Awareness Month. And that's what it is this month in March. So I have a special guest on the show. It is a man, but it is someone who I've had the opportunity to speak with over the past year and receive encouragement from myself as a mom who's raising a child with um, a disability. Gerald Scott is a powerhouse. He is full of stories that make me laugh, but he's full of encouragement. And the first time that I met him, he encouraged my soul so much. Um, And so I wanted to have him on today to share his story, share who he is, share no limits, with us as we raise our children, and I'm just excited to share him with you all today. He doesn't have a huge social media platform, but that's not what me bringing guests on is about. It's about encouragement and giving you guys something that we all need. So let's enjoy the show. I am so excited today to have with me on the Moments of Joy podcast, Gerald Scott. Welcome to the
2: Moments of Joy podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate the invite and I appreciate being here with your wonderful audience.
0: Yes. Now, uh, let me tell you guys a little backstory. Um, One day I was on the app called Clubhouse and I got to meet Gerald in a room um, for parents who were raising children with disabilities. Matter of fact, it was disabilities in the home, I believe, Mm -hmm. family dynamic. Yep. And I got to hear some of Gerald's story. Um, March is Cerebral Palsy Awareness Month. So I wanted to do my best to shine the light on cerebral palsy and hear some amazing stories. So here he is today. So Gerald, would you just walk us through a little bit um, of your birth and, and maybe educate us a little bit on what cerebral palsy
2: is? Well, cerebral palsy is a is a is a birth defect. It affects the brain. Um, Many times people who have cerebral palsy, there's damage to the cerebral area of the brain. It it can be either uh, uh, both sides of the brain or it can be one or the other side. If it's one side and not the other, it's called hemiplegia cerebral palsy, meaning it's only one hemisphere, one side of the body that's impacted. That's what I have, hemiplegia cerebral palsy, which affects my right side of my body, uh, my right arm, my right hand, and my right leg. In in, my in foot, so the right limbs actually. Um, I was, uh, my story is interesting Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of things that happened that could have contributed my being having cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. My my mother was carrying me back in 1951. That's when I was born in 1951. She was carrying me and she fell over our family dog. And uh, in falling, she fell on her stomach and she began to hemorrhage. Mm-hmm. and that made that necessitated her going to the hospital and staying there three weeks uh when once she was uh due to have me when she went into the hospital this is story number two that could have contributed uh she, the doctor had not arrived yet mm-hmm. and so the nurses and the medical staff that were there told her to hold me inside even as she was about ready to deliver me. They told her to close her legs and hold me inside her womb mm-hmm. until the doctor arrived. The doctor did not arrive until a half hour after she began to uh, really go into labor and was ready to have me actually. Mm-hmm. But she was not; she did not do it because of the instruction given. Right. That was the, the second story. The third story happened after my birth. Mm-hmm. I was an infant and my mother was in the bathroom and one of my family members was there watching me in the crib and I, I guess I was about maybe uh, four or five months old, maybe six. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what happened was they took me out of the crib and began to play with me. And they threw me up in the air and dropped me. Oh. And, and so my mother heard me screaming. Mm-hmm. So she came out of the bathroom. And the family member was still sitting there, not even helping me, mm-hmm. aiding me, but sitting there continuing to comb their hair, which wow. Mother very angry. She, she took me in her arms and took me around to my other grandmother. We had lived with, with my my paternal my paternal grandparents, mm-hmm. and then but my grand my maternal ones lived right around the corner from my paternal. So she took me to her mother and father's there. She stayed you know a few days, mm-hmm. and she eventually went back home wow. after all, everything was done. But uh, so any one of those three, if all three could have contributed, mm-hmm. um, what happened was my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, my mother's father. He noticed at the time I should have been walking, Uh about 12 months old, he noticed that when I began to walk, that I drug my right leg and held my hand in a ball-like state close to my body. Mm. My arm was like this, and my hand was like this close to my body. he said that he noticed there was something wrong Uh and advised my mother and father to take me to the doctor. My father was in the military, so he took me to a military doctor. And they, that at that point I was 14 months old and they diagnosed me with cerebral palsy at that point.
0: Wow. Wow. I I, I love the way you storytell. First of all, I'm just like all in listening, (laughs) (laughs) all in the story. Well, I can't imagine your mom um, at that moment because back then it wasn't as, uh, you know, welcoming, I'll say, for you to have a child with a disability. So I could just imagine how she felt.
2: Uh, well, really, it's, it's good you say that. Because the same doctor that diagnosed me with having cerebral palsy told my mother and my father while they were sitting there to put me in an institution. They were young. Mm-hmm. My mother was 22. My father was 23. They were still young. He told them to uh, put me in an institution and go on with my life. They could have many more children that would be, quote, unquote, normal. And just forget about me. My mother said, she retorted and and very angrily said, she's, she's not putting me anywhere. Yeah. That take care of me no matter what it would require, no matter what it took. And she did just that. She, she's now 92 years old. And she's still thinking about her old boy. we talk and and we visit as best we Mm -hmm. can because with this coronavirus and she's now in a nursing facility and of course transportation she's in new jersey i'm in pennsylvania we don't get to see each other as often Mm -hmm. as we would like but we do communicate every day
0: wow bless her heart i'm I'm proud of her because i was watching a movie this weekend um the um, immortal life of henrietta lex and so (laughs) She had um. It's a movie Oprah was in, and it was really about a, a young black woman in the twenties who um got cancer and who you know was used by the hospital. They actually stole her cells and they they use them now still to this day for stem cell wow. research. This is how they're able to do um in vitro fertilization and so many things. But it was because of her cells and um. In the movie, she had a child that was disabled, and she did institutionalize her daughter. And she ended up getting cancer and passing away. And no one ever came back to get the child. And they showed how, um, you know, the children were treated in the facility.
2: Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh yeah, black children. Things were very
2: bad. Yeah. You no, know, and uh, my mother knew that,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and said that no matter what it took, she would she would not put me in an institution. She would raise me the best she could, and she ended up doing just that. She ended up being a single mother mm. when I was six years old. Uh, my brother was four, I was six. He, he, he's able bodied, but I was six years old and she really did it basically on her own. Took me to physical therapy twice a, uh, a, a week, took me to occupational yeah. therapy, speech therapy. I needed that at that time. Uh, all of that brought me my braces. And at that time Aww. there was no welfare and all of that. And I was a like a borderline case in the sense that I was not at that time uh, in a wheelchair or anything, but I had a noticeable limp. And of course that arm right. stayed right. like it was and the hand did as well, but it wasn't, I was not considered severe enough for, for the state and everyone to mm-hmm. en- enter into the situation. Mm-hmm. So much of what she did, she did on her own. Wow. Having had jobs and all of this. I had good grandparents, they would take care of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from time to time, good neighbors, they would take care of me when she had to work those mm-hmm. second and even third jobs just to make ends meet them, just to get my braces, my mm-hmm. therapy, my my um, orthopedic shoes and other things mm-hmm. that she needed to purchase. She did it on her own. And I take my hat off to her and love yeah. her to death.
0: Wow. So, so you mentioned having a brother. What was that sibling dynamic like? I heard you speak about it a little bit before.
2: Uh, it was interesting because mm-hmm. of the need, my needs. Mm-hmm. I think there was a, a sense of jealousy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he loved me. There's no doubt about it. Wow. But there was this this uh, jealousy. There was always a competitional kind of thing, mm-hmm. competition type of thing between us. Uh and uh you know, and sometimes it was even bad that he resented the fact that many times I would have had to be with my mother without him. Mm-hmm. But i was, but I but I used to tell him and I'll say it often about my mother, anytime we did anything recreational, like we went to the museums, we went to the um, zoo, we went to the carnivals, circuses, anything that was quote, fun. Yeah, and in entertaining, uh, we were all three together. We were three musketeers. We went together. My mother never did anything that showed partiality toward me over him. Mm-hmm. And the only time that I was uh, uniquely with her was the, were the time that I had to do the things that I had to do to better my physical situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, but young children don't understand that. They just yeah. know mom, mom's not there, right. and she's with my. we like we're close in age. Mm-hmm. I was born in 51. He was born in 53. Oh, so we're wow. very close in age. We are really like babies together in a sense. Mm-hmm. So because of that, uh, I think there was a sense of, I don't know, if it's jealousy, envy, or just the sense of a sense of wanting to be with mother too. Yeah. And uh, when those times we had to be together without him, mm-hmm. he, he somewhat uh, did not like that. And really sometimes yeah. he even took it out on me and mm-hmm. would express it even to my mother. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it was very tenuous our relationship. Uh as time went on, naturally we became adults and we began to understand. But even yet, there there's always that that mm, yeah. you know, love, but mm. yeah. a, mm, love. <laughs> wow.
0: That's I'm glad you said that. And um it's something for all of us that are listening to um pay attention to as we are raising multiple children and we have a child with a disability to kind of you know um give that other child um a little more attention and make sure they feel secure and you know yeah. they have some level of understanding i heard you tell a story about um him getting into a fight outside and you coming to his rescue
2: <laughs> yeah 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 that's yeah uh, <laughs> you, you know, the guys my age which yeah. is me a little older than him naturally and uh, they were fighting he was beating him up he was fighting him they were ganging up on him and i stepped in and 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 i really fought them Mm-hmm. on his behalf me and my little one-hand self i was yes. still but i was strong with his left hand though i was i was i was holding my own with him yeah so after they left he became angry with me because i interjected myself into the fight yeah. but I, I was looking at it with my brother i'm never gonna let nobody beat him up mm-hmm. and just stand there and watch it so i did the best i can to, to partner with him and and they ended up leaving i mean i, yeah. I didn't know but uh he, he I, I would try to comfort him are you okay my brother's name you know. i said are you okay brother and he's like leave me alone, leave me alone. But, uh, i guess he's more embarrassed than anything else right <laughs> that tickled me dynamics always come up
0: you know yeah absolutely um okay so you went on you you went to school and you went on to become a young man who was um ordained to preach um so your right. mom brought you up in church
2: yes she did and my grandparents were staunch churchmen you know they were officers in the church both sets of my my grandparents and particularly my my two grandfathers were officers of the church and deacons and and stewards and trustees and my mother grandmother was in all the choirs missionary work and all the rest of that my mother was in the choir my uncle played my other uncle sang so we were very much involved in the church and I loved it
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I loved it it was not a burden uh, yes. once again my brother and I saw church differently yeah. <laughs> he didn't know we were to go but mm-hmm. I, I thrived in going all my life I it wasn't wow. because I had to go even as a teenager when I could have decided not to go I was involved well I began preaching at 12 years old
0: wow
2: I began look at that 12.
0: wait we got to pause
2: right there come on <laughs> come on 12 years old well I, my first sermon was when I was 8 it was, wow. it was in the backyard of my grandparents' house,
1: mm-hmm. and and
2: I had my little friends come, and I preached, and I even had a collection plate for my, for the longest time. My grandmother had this jar with thirty five cents that I had collected that <laughs> day. <laughs> that is so precious! Wow,
0: wow! And yep. so preaching um, is something that you know you accept the calling, but even in the church, you you experienced a little bit of. Um, you know, discrimination and, yeah. you know, ill ill intent towards you, you speak about yeah, that? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, anyone that was disabled, if you would have, you know, had, had physical challenges or any other challenge for that matter, uh, it, it happened because of their age. It was an older preacher, older member, and that's why they were disabled. But I was the only one at my age. I'm 12 years old now. As, as I said, I was born with cerebral palsy. So, you know, I, I went into the ministry with a disability. And my first pastor, who really was the one who called me, you know, didn't call me, but actually allowed me the opportunity to have my pr- trial sermon at the 11 o'clock hour. I didn't have wow. it at no evening time. I had a regular morning service at 12 years old wow. and, and he was very good. But this was the time also about a year. Oh, excuse me. I, I would say the father in the ministry, he really uh, was good. He saw my abilities and ignored the disabilities. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, what happened was it was about a year later after I began preaching, actually two years later in 65, I began to have trouble with my good hip, the left hip. And I ended up going into the hospital uh, for a series of operations, four operations to be exact. Mm -hmm. Uh, And actually they took out in the last operation, they took out my hip and they put two big spikes. They fused the hip. So I don't have a ball and socket in my left hip, okay. which was the which was the other side. You know, I was aff- afflicted with cerebral palsy on the right, but now it's the left. And in the interim of of this, and I have to be in the hospital for months and months and months and, and over an extended period of time, the pastors changed because mm-hmm. in the Me- I was a part of the Methodist denomination, mm-hmm. and there every year a pastor can change. But by the time I got back out into the field again and back out to to going to church and all of that, the pastor had changed. Mm -hmm. And the pastor that became my pastor uh, was not as liberal minded, was not as free thinking. And he really looked at my disability as a disability.
1: Mm.
2: He really stifled me. I was no longer able to preach in the morning service. I wasn't even able to sit in the pulpit, which I was used to doing. Uh, with the other pastor he he refused to use me himself and the only time I had opportunity to preach is if other people would invite me to preach Mm. or or in the church one of the auxiliaries their president for their annual day would ask me to preach on that day but in terms of the regular morning service or any service that he was in charge of I never got the opportunity to preach he felt because of my disability uh, there's certain things I couldn't do that that was normally done in a certain way. Mm-hmm. That a normal quote unquote normal person would do. For example, in, in communion, I was I was able to pass out the communion with the other pastor, but because of how I do it, I ha- I can't hold the tray, so someone has to hold the tray while I take the little cup out and pass it to each member. Right. He did not like the idea that I couldn't hold the tray, mm. and because I couldn't hold the tray, he he didn't allow me to go to do the communion at all. My goodness, and I couldn't even sit with the officers; I just sit with the members now wow so not even not even the pulpit mm-hmm. not even the officers i just, 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 just remember mm. you know? but you kept on preaching oh yeah i did you know that's right i every other i had i did and he was there six years mm. He was there six years and my, and my grandfather who was just one of the officers of the church encouraged me to leave the church yeah yeah he said you know go there's other churches that would be more accepting there's other pastors that would be more accepting Mm-hmm. But the Lord did not leave me that way. Right, right. He did not tell me to leave. So wow. I persevered and I stuck it out, uh, you know, and uh, after six years, eventually he was moved. Mm-hmm. And the pastor that came behind him began, he took up what the other pastor did, my first pastor. And he began to push me through. He utilized me in yeah. every kind of area. I was really his assistant pastor in, in essence, because that's how much wow. he used me. Wow. And so, you know, but that wasn't the end of that story. The Bigotry and ableism mm-hmm. followed me throughout my life. Wow. And I've had to overcome and I've had to overcome, but thank God he gave me the ability to overcome.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
2: uh, and, and I had a, a spirit of perseverance. I would not allow people to define who I am.
0: That's right. That's I always right.
2: said I have cerebral palsy, but cerebral palsy does not have me. That's right. That's right. And, and you went on to become a bishop in the Lord's church. I did. Yeah, I ended up becoming a bishop. Of the mm-hmm. uh, of of the southeast district uh, of the church and uh, another non denom- denominational church mm-hmm. Destiny Church yeah. and uh, and I became a bishop in two thousand and fifteen wow. went on to, I even started my own church yes. uh, back in two thousand and three yeah. uh, Refuge of God Church so I mean in spite of all the naysayers it ended with the with the Methodist Church in a very bad way mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety five mm-hmm. I my ba- my my leg was getting so bad that I wasn't able to climb stairs anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I was asking, could they possibly either change, give me a church that could uh, give me health care? Mm-hmm. The church I was given, I never was given a first-class church because they considered, I did not fit the image of a first-class pastor. That mm-hmm. was told to me by a presiding elder. I did not wow. fit the image. And so therefore, I always had the churches at maybe 50 members, 75 members at, at best. But mm-hmm. I always did so good with them. Yeah. They they couldn't do anything but continuing to put me in other churches. Mm-hmm. But this church was just too small to take on that responsibility. Right. So I asked them, would they, uh, could they move into not, not the leading church, right. but a church that could afford some sort of health care to help me through. Mm-hmm. And their response was, like I said, they said, uh, the Bazaar elder went to the bishop. He went back to him and told him to tell me, tell Scott that he doesn't fit the image of a first-class pastor. And because of that, they recommended that I retire, get on welfare. And this was, now keep in mind, I'm raising a daughter as a single parent myself. Oh, yes,
0: yes. We got to get to that. I forgot yeah. that. That's
2: right. <laughs> yeah. I had, now she at that time was 11 years old. Uh-huh. I had her by myself since she was one. Mm. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so here I am, a, a father, yes. you know, <laughs> and, and, and you're telling me to to just get on welfare and Mm-mm-mm. and retiring but go on welfare and just to get about ministering and so yeah. I retired that mm-hmm. year 1995. Mm-hmm. When I stayed there in, in in the town that I was in Georgetown, mm-hmm. which was the church I was pastoring, mm-hmm. I stayed there until uh in, in in the town, not the church, but the town until I wasn't able to do it. I couldn't afford to rent and all of that type of thing. I went right. there living in the parsonage. Now now I have to. Find a place to live and have my daughter, and mm-hmm. it just got to be the point that I had to go come back to Pennsylvania where I originally lived, and there stayed for a little while longer.
0: Wow, and I and I love how you are using social media today to still preach.
2: Yeah, yes, yes,
0: spread the good news. I see that you got on TikTok. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. Yes. I'm on every social media outlet. To his Instagram, TikTok. I love it. Facebook. i love it i like i got that twitter i got come linked, on lick that lick thing i got mm-hmm. all of them you got clubhouse yeah i'm at everything
0: yes i love it i love it because so many you know older people are just like i don't get it i don't understand but there's a wealth a whole stage here yeah a whole right. platform that you could create right. and touch people just like you know you touched and encouraged me so much in raising my little man especially yeah. being a mom raising uh, a child in the Christian faith and the things that people will say. And you've given yeah. me much advice.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perseverate. Don't let anyone identify who he is. That's right. Don't let anyone and don't let him take that in as a personal thing. Mm-hmm. You know who you are. That's right. God does, I always say, God doesn't make junk mm-hmm. and he doesn't make mistakes. Anything that he makes, everyone that he makes is wonderfully made. And everyone has a purpose. And I always tell folk, I said, If God wanted me to be a a runner, if he wanted me to be a a prize fighter, he would have given me legs like Carl Lewis. Mm -hmm. He would have given me two good arms like Muhammad Ali, but that's not what he called me to do. And what he called me to do, he gave me the ability and the equipment to do it. A big mouth, a good memory (laughs) and love for people. And that's what he gave me. And, And that's what he purposed me to be, a preacher.
0: That's right,
2: wow. And so we got to
0: backtrack a little bit because you are a
2: dad. Yes. 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 And
0: you raised your daughter as a single father.
2: That's right. From the time she was one one year old until she became, in well, about 20 years old when she finally left and went out on her own, got married. I do have three grandchildren. I got three grandchildren. Uh, One is in the Navy. My grandson, he's in the Navy. He's stationed in Virginia. I have a granddaughter in Texas and another one here year in Pennsylvania.
0: Wow. Absolutely beautiful. I mean, um, definitely super encouraged by all that you are. There's no limit to, w- to what you can do. You know, you, you raised your daughter as an infant into adulthood. So you were very equipped with everything that she needed as a yeah. dad.
2: And it was challenging. Certainly it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people said I shouldn't have done it. Even people in the family said that I would regret it and you know, and maybe some things I couldn't do. And there's some things I couldn't do, but I, but I was blessed that being a, in a situation, being a pastor of churches, I would tap into the membership. I had family, there were times I was near family and they would take up the slack and do what I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, everything that she needed really done, I was able to do. I raised her, I cooked, I, cooked, I cleaned, I washed the clothes. I, I bathed her when she needed to be bathed and all the rest of that. Mm-hmm. I was able to do what I was needed to do, those little things. I found people that were able to do it and they did it for me and I thank God for it. Uh, God blessed me with a wife uh, when I, in, in, in 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was married to my daughter's mother, but then years later I got married again in 1999. And she, at that time, my daughter was about 15 years old but she really made a big difference. Mm-hmm. She really made a big difference because that was, she was becoming a woman mm-hmm. and she was, you know she needed that mother, yeah. uh, that mother touch and that mother influence. And my wife, her name is Teresa. Uh, she did all of that with me, and together we went through the the highs and the lows of being parents. Mm-hmm. To a teenage girl. A <laughs> yeah, teenage girl. I say yes. we've been married twenty three years. My wife wow. and I. Know Yep.
0: yeah oh Gerald I love you so much oh thank man. you I appreciate I it. story I'm just so I'm so encouraged so filled with joy you know I heard you talk about how you know you've had disabled people come into your church and you know yeah and yeah and get saved and so yeah I just love how God has just used you in that way before we wrap up do you have any specific advice for parents listening? who are raising children with disabilities?
2: I would say, be the kind of parent that does not cater to the disability, but rather uses the disability as a place of starting point for the child. The child is not not unique in the sense of not being able to stop. Don't instill in them a sense of disability. Always point out the ability that they have. Fine tune it, discover what it is. What is their purpose? And then help them achieve their purpose no matter and be there as a sounding board when people tease them be there as a sounding board when they're denied opportunities you be that that bulwark you be that shield you be that pavilion for them they can hide in but don't allow it to be uh you uh allowing yourself to so swallow them up that they lose their own identity Mm -hmm. you know and that's one thing i'll say about my mother she she did not let me get away with nothing
1: Mm -hmm. if i had
2: to do my homework i had to do my homework. That's right. I want to go, mom, I want to go out. No, no, you're doing your homework first. And and she was, she was, she was diligent about that. She did not have any slacking. If I had chores to do, I had to do my chores, no matter, it was less chores than my other siblings, but I couldn't do certain things, but I had to do what I had to do. Mm -hmm. If she said, do this, I had to do this. And there was no excuse for it. And because of that, it made me have a sense of, of, of purpose in my own life and a sense of duty that, that though I may have a disability, I too have responsibility. Yeah. And, and parents, teach your children, give them something to do. I don't care how insignificant, how small it is, pick up that piece of paper. That's you right. know, do something that they can do, whatever it is. You know, don't let it be that dis- their disability becomes their excuse or your excuse. Mm-hmm. Don't baby them for God's sake. Yeah. Pampering them and cradling them and, and making excuses for their, for their being disobedient or they always, he's, you know, well, you know, he is, he or she's, uh, you know, they got this disability. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to No, 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 he's wrong. Boy, you better get it together. Yes. Girl, you better straighten up. Yes. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. When they finally meet that world, they're not going to cradle them. Mm Mm-hmm. They're not going to pamper them. That's right. In fact, they're going to do treat them worse than into a, a quote unquote normal child. Mm-hmm. they want to challenge them they want to be cruel they want to be mean spirited I've had teachers in, my, in school when I was growing up I was in elementary school and uh, and I had a very bad stammering problem then uh, I, I, was, I was I used to say but you know that kind of way that's how I would stammer and even now I have little traces of it but then it was really obvious Yeah. and and so my teacher she was a second grade teacher she kept on teasing me I know one thing you better stop saying but 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 but, but uh, you better stop saying but. Wow. Making fun, and then of course that made the kids. They start doing it. You know how, uh-huh. how they go uh-huh. by the teacher. If the yep. teacher permits it. The teacher harps on it. that They're going to jump on the bandwagon, and they yeah. start but 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 but. Right. You know. So so they're going to the, the world's not going to be kind. That's right. The world's not going to be Woo! understanding, loving, and patient, and all of that. The world's mm. going to treat you sometimes less than mm. what you deserve to be treated for any parent, you or any other parent that has a child. Love them, protect them in the sense of be their defender when they need defending, but don't pamper them, don't baby them, allow them to be who they were meant to be and find their purpose and aim in life and then fulfill it. Yes, I absolutely love it.
0: Thank you so much, Gerald, for taking time out of your day to be with us today. I can't wait to share this. On the platforms and on social media, because I know that you are going to encourage so many. So, thank you thank so you much for, for being invite. with us today.
2: Thank you so much for the invite, my dear. You're welcome. And I, and I pray much for you. I pray much for your child. I pray, pray much for your, the work that God has set you out to do, because you're doing some wonderful work in what you do. And I thank God for you. Thank
0: you so much, Cheryl. All right, guys, don't forget, every week we have new episodes on the Moments of Joy podcast. Subscribe and download and check out Gerald Scott on Instagram. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.